When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, October 13th, the Car Seat Scared Straight Edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who is now six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. I'm the dad of Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We are in Detroit. And I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer and editor at Slate. I'm the author of the novel Vintage Contemporaries, coming in January. And I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 17, and Harper, who's 15. We live in Arlington, Virginia. Happy birthday, Teddy. Thanks, and Dan, we're so excited to have you back. (laughs) Back from the dead. I know. Rest in peace me, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) But here you are. We'll get into that in a little bit, but today on the show, we have a letter from a dad who's so frustrated with trying to get his squirming, shrieking kids into their car seats that sometimes the kids win, and he drives with them unbuckled. Now he's wondering if he should continue battling with his kids or if there's a happy medium where they're safe and he's sane. Then on Slate Plus, we're talking about the latest baby gear taken over by robots, Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. He would, like, push it and see if he could run to catch it. Oh, sure, yeah. And he once overestimated. (laughs) He did eventually (laughs) catch it. (laughs) Not before drawing quite quite a crowd. Um... I have a special announcement for you today. For a limited time, you can get six months of Slate Plus for just $29. That's 50% off. As a member, you'll get no ads on any of our podcasts, unlimited reading on the Slate site, and member-exclusive episodes and segments from our show and other shows like Slow Burn, Political Gab Fest. Slate's podcasts cover major news events from elections to social issues to historic court decisions. Our shows also discuss what makes a song a smash, analyze what's going viral, and decode cultural mysteries. If we've become a part of your listening routines, we ask that you support our work by joining Slate Plus. Sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash plus to access all of Slate's content and support our work. Again, it's just $29 for six months through October 28th. So sign up now at slate.com slash plus. Okay, we're going to catch up on our week in parenting, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. 
And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, we're back. Dan, fill us in. What's been going on since you died? Wow, it's been busy over here in the graveyard. I am going to share a triumph today, which will give you a sense of basically what has been occupying all of our time uh, since my untimely passing. Uh, It's been colleges, the college hunt, college searching. Lyra is a senior, if you can imagine, listeners who've been listening to the show for a long time will remember when she was like six. But we are deep in the college hunt, and it has been a little bit of a grind because Lyra is interested in college and in some ways excited by it, but is also intimidated by it. And Lyra really doesn't like doing things that make her uncomfortable. That's been a lifelong trait. So the hunt uh, has been very parent-driven, if you know what I mean. Um, Alia, in particular, has been working on this like it's her second job. We come up with colleges that we think that Lyra might like. We arrange tours. We take her on the tours. And then we go, all right, Lyra, now you should figure out a college that you're interested in that we can take you on a tour of, which she doesn't do. Um, and Ali has had to be really on her about like getting teacher recommendations and you know all the deadline stuff done. And all this really stresses Lyra out, the way that your parents pestering you about things stress you out. Uh, and that then that makes her dread whatever the next thing about college is going to be. So now each time we even mention the idea of college, she's like, oh, now what do I have to do? <laughs> and we're like, you have to click a button on Naviance. And she's like, oh. Anyways, what is funny about this is that Harper is dying about this because <laughs> she would be giving anything to be looking at colleges right now. She already has a whole list of places she might want to go to school. She cannot believe that Lyra is not interested in this. Yeah, like color-coded folders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. I, I like all the organization of this is probably very appealing right. to her. I believe she probably has her own <laughs> Google Doc going. Yes, it's she's infuriated almost every day. But so the big thing that has been causing dread for Lyra is the essay. Because, you know, that everyone has stressed to her you're, you're going to write such a great essay. Oh, the essay is going to be such an important part of your application. Da, 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 da. Lyra, you know, is an ambitious and accomplished writer. Um, she's also very self-critical. She also hates that the essay is only 650 words. That's like <laughs> nothing. I had no idea. You can't do anything in a 650 words. And she also just really hates the idea of like trying to define herself in an essay that then a bunch of randos will read. And, you know, it's senior year in English class they often tend to focus on your essay a lot, at least for the first semester. And so she's drafted a couple of possible essays, but then the idea of like showing them to me and revising them and spending hours and hours working on them just made her so unhappy. But early action deadlines are coming up. So I made it clear to her that this weekend she was going to finally have to show me the essay and we were going to have to nail it down. So Monday was a holiday. We sat down Monday at noon the misery is just coming off her in waves. I wanted this to not be an ordeal. Like, it seemed like it was going to be an ordeal. It doesn't have to be an ordeal. Like, she is a good writer. I'm a good editor. If I was editing someone's 650-word blog for Slate, it wouldn't take all day. We'd knock it out in, like, an hour and a half, max. So I wanted to, like, convey to Lyra that it doesn't have to be torture. And so I 
set this plan. I've been reading this very fun book by Matt Bell, a writer, which is about writing and revising for novels specifically, but I find it it's quite useful for a lot of things. It's called Refuse to Be Done. I thought I would encourage her to use this method. So you have a first draft. You then take your first draft. You just look at it. You read through it. You don't like make a bunch of notes on it or anything. You just outline it. You outline the thing you've already written to see, well, what is this doing in each chunk or section or in this case, paragraph? And is that what you want these paragraphs to be doing? If not, what do you want them to be doing? All right, great. So that took her like, you know, half an hour max. And then you rewrite the thing. Just think of yourself as you're writing it fresh, knowing what you now know about the structure and what the structure is doing. If something sucks when you read it, change it, write something different. If you read a sentence, and you're like, that's great. Type it exactly as it is. That's fine. So mm-hmm. that's maybe half an hour total. So then like I gave it a quick edit, um, but it was mostly like a, like a big picture edit, like telling her places where I wanted to know more about something, noting places where it seemed like she was repeating herself or she wasn't quite clear what she was saying. And then she went and did some revising based on that. And that was, so like we were about an hour into it. And at this point she was feeling pretty good about it. And then I let her go do other stuff for a while, like game, um, and I went through and I did like one actual line edit, you know, as suggestions in Google Doc, like as if it was track changes in Microsoft Word, not like typing over her stuff, but just like making a bunch of suggestions that she could accept or reject. Then she came back to it. I was happy to see she rejected some of my extremely good suggestions, um, but she accepted some of the other ones. And it's all in all, it was like an hour and a half of work about the right amount of time for a 650 word blog. And at the end, I think she was really happy with the essay. You know, the main thing she had been worried about with this essay was that her teacher and her counselor and everything that everyone talked about these essays were like, you got to have a lesson. You got to learn a lesson in your essay. You got to show how you changed. And so her first draft had this sort of like, it ended with this sort of fakey, and now things are great ending that she didn't like. She was like, it's all more complicated than that, but I have to put this stupid thing about how everything's great now. Uh, and so I told her, no, you don't have to do that. Like, you you can be honest about things that are still hard for you and how change happens slowly and that actually college essays don't reflect real life. You can even say that if you want. That's fine. Mm-hmm. In fact, the people who read college essays will probably be like, thank God someone did something different. <laughs> yeah. But also, it will reflect you and how the person you actually are, which is the whole point of the fucking essay. Right. <laughs> so, and then her rewrite of that paragraph was really good because it did, in fact, reflect doubt and complexity as opposed to a boring, like, and now I'm great. So I was very proud of her and proud of that. And I was proud that it was a college-related thing that turned out to be less horrible than she yeah. thought it would be. So now maybe next time we tell her she has to do some fucking thing, which will be like tomorrow, <laughs> she'll, she won't be so completely miserable about it. I think that last expectation is unreasonable. (laughs) No, if it doesn't work out that way, the whole thing's a failure. So is this like, like, is this done to bed this part now? Do you feel like, like the essay? The essay is done. Yeah. She doesn't have to do anything else. She doesn't have to do anything else. That must be a huge. But she'll have to like write 100 words on why she's interested in blah, blah, blah school. Yeah. Which she's going to be like, I don't, I don't care. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm interested. How many schools is she going to apply to total? Uh, That is a great question that we do not know the answer to yet. Uh, Early action, it seems like she, which is not early decision. Right. It's a whole separate thing I have just learned. 
Um, I think she'll probably apply to five or six early action and then maybe a couple more after that. Kids these days, do you know, Mm -hmm. they apply to like 13 schools. So many. That's just like normal. So Um, many. I applied to four, I believe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, but we also learned about your application process. Right. And and sure not, I didn't even need to apply to that many. There was only one with the perfect woman at it. But yeah, so I think it'll probably end up being like nine or 10. And, you know, at the Mm -hmm. end, I'm sure she'll just be like, oh, why not? Click. Because you can do that on the counter. (laughs) It's like the stuff that's up on the counter at Urban Outfitters, but for colleges. Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. I'll go here. This reminds me a little bit of like wedding planning with my mother and how much I dreaded (laughs) making all of these decisions because I just didn't care. Right. But we had these moments where... Like we we really bonded over. I just remember sitting in the florist and my you know the, the florist was asking me like how do you want the flowers to make you feel all of this stuff, and I looked at my mom like what is happening and she goes cheap we would like them to make us feel cheap because we were just like we don't know we don't know any you're the florist and I just like those moments um, are such nice moments that's, where we were that's both exactly kind of like, how I want Lyra's college to make me feel <laughs> yeah, how do you want to make mm-hmm. cheap. We would like, yeah. um, I so I think this will be something she remembers. Although I really don't think you should set the expectation that the next time you ask, she'll think, "Oh, that was such a lovely experience with Dad. Let's do it again." You're right. Uh, okay, Zach, what's going on in your world this week? I'm going to take an F for the second week in a row, <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm going to admit something to you two, and only to you two. Good. We'll, um, we'll keep it. That, we'll it keep it tight. Thank you. So this past weekend, Shira took a girl's trip with some friends. I was very excited for her. But that meant I had the kids all weekend. And Noah, my oldest, didn't have school on Friday. I was, fe- I was already feeling just kind of lethargic and burnt out. And I also had a bunch of stuff to do. And so Noah watched TV, you guys. She watched her iPad from noon on Friday to 5 p.m. on Friday. Oh, only on Friday? Yeah, exactly. Well, no. Oh, great. That's that's that was just the first installment. Oh. So I gave her I gave her, you know, 5 hours. I gave her 5 hours to start and then uh I took my kids out to dinner. We went out for pizza. It was actually really fun, just the three of us. And then when we got home, Ami, my 2-year-old was being moody and i was just like fuck this and i just put them in bed together um and gave them like another hour so now it's up to six hours in a day and i let ami watch tv for an hour he's just recently become interested um and i am only stoking the flames of his interest like throughout the weekend i was just and this is what what happens to me sometimes i go into these social media rabbit holes and i just like you know, get re-addicted. And just throughout the weekend, I, I just gave them more TV than I should have and just felt terrible. Um, and, you know, actually just last night, my wife and I were just like, all right, we got to we gotta cool it a bit with, with the iPad. Like we are, we've been using it too much as a crush. I totally believe in it, you know, sometimes. And it's, you know, they watch good stuff on PBS and whatever. And they're not just watching like complete garbage, but like my son's too. He doesn't need more than 15 minutes of TV and my daughter doesn't really either. Um, and so I just, I just felt like a, a neglectful parent who uh, kind of burned some, some precious time with the kids. Uh, it's going to be different this week. We're starting to make some changes and there will not be, we're just going to give her four and a half hours today. 
Yeah. You know, baby steps. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Four. Yeah, you don't want tomorrow. her to go through withdrawal. No. <laughs> yeah. You can't put no. a kid through that. The times when we ended up with days like that, I often found that even that at the end, it was like they weren't even happy. They were just like, yeah. 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 So um, I think you shouldn't mourn like time, precious time lost with them, whatever. Like that shit doesn't matter. Like you're yeah. you're going to have no shortage of time with your children over the next 1000 years. Mm-hmm. Uh but you're I but I totally understand feeling like, oh, God, I really fucked that weekend. Um, and uh, and, you know, I think it's I'm glad that you guys have talked about it and are trying to make changes. Um, and sometimes you just got to chalk a weekend up to like, wow, well, this one this one goes in the record books forevermore. Yeah, I'll have does. something to compare other bad weekends to. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I just want to get us all better at just like independent play and like co- just like just because there's nothing to do because we don't have an activity outside of the house doesn't mean she can't just go down to the basement and make a project. Like we, we just need to, to normalize that. Zach, are you good at independent play? <laughs> um, I can be, but often my independent play is like, I just got, come back into my office and do, to do work. Right. Well, and it helps to find independent play that you, a grown adult enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. which isn't always easy, but you're, but not only are you modeling, right? You're modeling, you've, whether they do the thing with you or not, you're modeling a way to be in the world yes. with your leisure time. It also generally makes you feel better about, mm-hmm. about how you're spending your time. Um, and so that, that has been a real struggle for me over the last 10 to 15 years, but one that mm-hmm. I'm sort of happy with where I've landed. And where's that with, with that? I have things that I, I, I've, I have much more sort of recreation and interesting stuff in my life, whether it's games or puzzles or sports or whatever, mm-hmm. um, than I used to. Uh, and I still spend of course, way too much time online, but I have other stuff to like move to when I feel myself going bananas with it. hundred percent. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm, also taking a fail for the week, which is that I'm having this like this like coming to terms with we travel a lot and I love that and that is very important to like who we are. It is a large part of the reason that I homeschool the kids, but it is starting to really interfere with the things the kids are doing and trying to mm. figure out what I'm going to do about that. And um the thing that sort of brought this all to the hilt is that um, my neighbor teaches swing dancing classes, which she sort of like invited Henry to come check out. And he did. And it turns out that he loves this. But because she's just like invited him, I didn't really understand what the commitment was. And I got this email over the weekend when we were out of town saying like, hey, the fall performance is this date in November. And I look at the calendar and of course we are out of town and we are like out of town, out of town, flying to Canada, like not going to be here. Um, So I email her and I'm like, I am, you know, I, first of all, I feel terrible because they've been like rehearsing for this thing and he has a partner and all this stuff. And she is like, oh, it's no big deal. This is like supposed to be fun. Don't worry about it. But Henry's also pretty upset, right? Like he's been Mm -hmm. doing this thing. He loves it. And now he's going to miss this like performance that they've been working 
for, right? And then he said, you know, he's sort of like, well, this is the same thing. Like, he's not currently at diving because this is the season we dive at a college campus. The college has diving now, too. And so the diving practices are at the most inconvenient, like, weekends at noon so that the, you know, college team can have the better practice times. And I sort of said, like, well, we're not here weekends at noon, so we'll have to just rejoin when, you know, when it's fall or when it's winter and they come back to being evenings and afternoons when we can make it work. And then I was just sitting there thinking like, oh, well, Teddy didn't play baseball this year because the season was super intense and there were weekends and we're not here, like all of this. And and I know, I think the thing for me is that when I look at it, I just think, but I don't want to change anything. But I also feel bad that this is happening. So all in, in summation, I feel terrible. I'm taking a fail for because adult life, you know, sucks and you have to make these <laughs> decisions. And no one's mad at me yet, but I feel that it is coming. Like, I'm just disappointing people because I'm doing the thing that I want to do and I think is important, right? Like, I, I don't just love doing it. I really like the things it gives our family and that it gives right. our children. But it's also faced with this idea of, like, we move a lot too. So I'm also take like swing dance may not be around the next time we move and diving may not be around the next time we move. And so like, am I taking something away from them? So I'm just sitting under that parental weight for now until something actually terrible happens. And I, you know, worry about that instead, but I'm taking it as a fail because I am just like consumed by disappointing everyone. That's how it feels. That's really hard. You know, and as, as, as you know, I have often, um, taken my kids away from things to travel with them uh, once for a whole year. But we basically post that trip have had to really cut down on it because I have in part because of the lessons we learned on that trip had to face the very unpleasant idea that their opinions should have as much weight as my mm-hmm. opinions, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't true about everything. It doesn't always have to be true, but seems to become more true the older they get. Um, And that's been hard for us. I'm looking forward to knowing the school he went to last year has a, a fifth grade reunion and we have another big trip scheduled during it. And Henry keeps saying to me, like, if we miss that reunion, I'm going to be so upset. And I know that we're missing it. Like, I know we're not going to be here. (laughs) He doesn't know that yet. No, I'm just like, I I try. Does he listen to the podcast? No, not yet. He's about to find out. (laughs) He's about to find out. I mean, I'm going to, I need to tell him. And like with this thing, I, with the the swing dancing, I told him, you know, and I said like, this is the trip we're taking. And he was like, well, I really want to do that trip. So I do feel like I'm, I'm presenting it, but I am definitely not taking like their want to do these minor things into account at this point we are doing these things because i believe they're important and and dan like you said now i'm starting like okay well at what point does that not matter as much <laughs> or so anyway. really the question is at what point do does what they want matter more your wants yeah. still matter but yeah. you know and for a while we we made the delineation based on well are if you miss this thing kid are you letting other people down so like we you know yeah. if kids in a play for example mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the it fucks the play if we take our kid out of it to like go on some whirlwind trip but then at some point that even that like it you know 
it it is important to Harper to go to homecoming. It is important to uh, Lyra to do D and D with her friends. Uh, you know, a thing that is socially very crucial to her. And mm-hmm. the older they get, and and the more fervently they can argue in favor of themselves, the more I've we've had to like just travel less and and also think a lot more before we make plans for everyone, and yeah. sometimes even fucking cancel our plans, like how I'm not going to a film festival on Saturday that I really wanted to go to because it turns out Harper's going to homecoming and I'm driving her around. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Adulting. Adult life, the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that lovely note, we are going to take a quick break. We'll see you back here for our listener question. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. We're back and ready to hear today's listener question. Dear mom and dad, I always try to buckle my two-year-old and five-year-old boys in whenever we drive. However, there are times when they just don't want to be buckled in. Right now, my youngest will scream and cry at the top of his lungs and will not stop no matter what request I fill. These temper tantrums are taking a toll on my driving to the point where I'm no longer certain they're safer being buckled in. After 20 to 30 minutes of screaming, I almost feel like a shell-shocked war veteran. And as a result, I've occasionally not buckled them in, most frequently on short routes and neighborhood streets. I mean, I should mention that as with most of America, we live in a city where there's not a lot of public transportation, so that's not an option. But I remember when I was a child in the 80s, we often went unbuckled, especially for those over-the-road family car trips. But I'm also aware that driving remains to be the most dangerous activity for Americans. And I don't want to place my kids in danger. Are there any tips to get my kids to settle down in their car seats? Can I bribe them with candy or snacks? I don't know. Is there some happy medium where I can allow my kids to be unbuckled? Or am I a horrible, irresponsible father for trying this? Sincerely, shell-shocked dad driver. Boy, this is a hard one. I am going to give you, shell-shocked dad, the least useful opinion of all, which is that, A, I do not think you should leave your kids unbuckled, even for a short trip, and B, I have no idea how to keep your kids from screaming. Sorry. So on questions like this, uh, where there's some issue of, like, what is a reasonable risk, I have long gone by a decision-making standard uh, that was explained to me once by my mother-in-law, um, Alia's mom, Kiki, much beloved to listeners of the podcast. Um, when the kids were very young, she told me that when she was trying to make decisions like this, she thought, okay, if the worst happened and my kid dies, how would I feel about the decision I'd made? And would I feel that I needed to lie to everyone about what I did that led up to that decision? Like, if my kid gets killed while we're, you know, on a challenging hike in the woods, I would feel bad, but I wouldn't feel like I failed some like basic test of parenting or something. But if my kid died in a, like in a car crash because I just didn't happen to buckle them into a child seat that day, I would obviously never forgive myself 
And if anyone asked me about it, I would really want to lie about it for the entire rest of my life. So mm-hmm. by that measure, it seems like the answer is no, you should not leave your kid unbuckled. The penalty is extremely severe. The issue is that on a short trip, the kind of trip where you might maybe consider leaving the kids unbuckled, screaming's tolerable. Like 10 minutes to the grocery store, if they're screaming, it sucks, but whatever, you'll survive. But then on a 45-minute car ride across town, it obviously it's not workable to not buckle them in, and that's when the screaming actually makes your driving unsafe. So what the hell do you do about it? Here's where I throw it to you guys. I have to add that driving is the most dangerous thing all of us do every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you cannot be unbuckled. I, I, we're going to move on beyond that point. But even and, and I think like statistically, of course, because you spend more time like around your house, you are more likely to have an accident within a few miles of your home than you are somewhere else. So you, you have to buckle this kid. But OK, Zach, do you have ideas for how to stop the screaming? Or do I you do. think he some. should buckle up his kids? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think you should just get an e-bike and uh bike everywhere actually depending on where you are you could consider that but i do have uh i do have some ideas based on some some thoughts and some research that i did for uh if you are going to stick with the car which i'm assuming you are one thing that i do at home is before going somewhere i give my kids a heads up five minutes so they know what's coming i'm sure you've tried this already but if you give them just a little bit of a heads up, they're not going to be shocked when you throw their coat on and, and pull them out of the house and try to throw them into the car. So that's one. So, so you want to try to, as best you can, set yourself up for success. Give them a heads up. Okay, and this I found um, on the website of the goddess Janet Lansbury. She said, when you get to the car, give them the option of being picked up or climbing in. So give them some agency within, you know, the confines of the situation. Sometimes when, when Noah's in a weird mood and we're trying to get into the car, I'll sometimes just like put her on, on the roof of the car. Um, and she finds that thrilling. Um, and, you know, she, she gets that she gets that experience of feeling like she's on top of the world. And then, OK, now it's time to 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 get to business and get into the seat. So so like be firm with what you're doing. We're going to go into the car. But you can still be a fun person as you're trying to get them in there. That's another thing. Um, one of the, the the kind of like philosophical thing that that Lansbury touched on here, which I think is really smart, um, and which you might uh, find yourself in, is she writes: um, problems happen when we try to avoid cries or are afraid to be decisive leaders. If we waffle, that makes the child feel uneasy, unsettled, and usually makes the eventual tantrum last longer, leads to more resistance about the car seat and other things. When we are tentative, we leave our child in an uncomfortable state of limbo. So don't be tentative, you know, be very direct, be very decisive. um, But it doesn't mean you have to be, uh, you know, full of rage or a maniac, which I'm sure you aren't. Or even stern. You don't have to be stern necessarily. It can be fun. Yeah. But I think this dad has lost control of this situation. Like on top, yeah. like now this is the behavior, like them screaming, getting up, like this is the expected behavior. Okay, I had this problem with Henry and then again with Teddy. Teddy was a little easier because I had two other kids that were buckling up, no problem. Um, I solved it by driving to my local police station taking the children into the police station and saying to them, I have two children who do not like to be buckled. Could you come explain to them the importance of being buckled? 
and I, I did call ahead. Um, I didn't think that's where that story was going. I liked story <laughs> please was. arrest okay. them. No. Yeah, okay. And good. they came out and they lifted the kids into the car and they buckled the children and they hmm. told them a slightly scary but not inappropriate story about children they had found not buckled and the consequences of it. And they said, uh, hmm. basically, come back. What in a was week. the story? And then the kid was launched out of the windshield and flew a hundred well, feet in the air. They Doesn't did. that the sound story, like fun? The story, the story did involve um, one child who had broken his leg oh, and okay. another child who it was launched from the car, but they were buckled in properly. And so they were totally fine. Uh, all right, um, all right. And so, you know, I mean, slightly That's scary, smart. but not like you might want to vet the stories that your local police officer might tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they basically said, come back in a week. And if we haven't had any problem, we have badges for you. And uh, so there was like this um, motivation as well. And at the same time, I started having um, we had a lot of success with like weighted stuffed animals that were just for the car. Um, and Henry really liked to buckle his in Teddy. um Teddy, obviously, we were not in uh, Colorado. We were, I had learned all of these lovely, <laughs> lovely tricks. But um, Teddy liked to just hold his while we were getting buckled. And so just having these things that were only for the car, these are like special things that are only going to happen when we're going to do this. I also am a big believer in practicing. So like practicing, getting in, seeing which parts they can do for themselves. Um, I feel like when the kids tell you that something hurts or or bothers them to like investigate that and see if you can fix it. Because I do think like sometimes the angle of the car seat looks like it probably really does hurt their legs or cause their legs to lose some feeling, right? That can be really uncomfortable if the shoulder strap is not right. But I'm just a big believer in in bringing in somebody else with some authority to say like, this isn't mom and dad's rule. This is like to keep you safe, our rule. Like if you go to any kind of like fall fair or festival, there will be someone at a car seat station. I feel like every time I go to those, there's someone promoting car seat safety. Those people can help you out. They usually have little books for kids about it. I think because of all of this, like if you can give yourself some practice where you're not running late, that also gives you the opportunity to take a little longer to get in and just say, like, I can't really get you buckled until, you know, the crying stops or until. So let's calm down. What can we do? Okay, now let's get in. Same thing if the screaming gets really bad, pull over. We I have definitely pulled over to let people calm down. And in a very nice, not like mean turnaround screaming way, just like, I am not a safe driver when all this is happening. So how can I help it? Does someone need a snack? Does someone need this, right? The problem is I would suspect that a lot of the times you're like running late because once you have children, you're always running late. Um, Like if you can build in any time or do some practices where you're going somewhere that they want to go. Right, someplace uh, fun that they're excited about where there's an incentive for them to not do this. Yeah, and they're eating their own time there, right? So you can say, like, we right. set a timer. Like, we we have X amount of time to get there and be there. And every minute, if you have a visual timer, every minute that we spend doing this is a time we're not doing that. I mean, I, I think yep. now the problem is it's become the habit. Like, well, this is just what we what we do. They do ask about bribing also, and I think bribe away. Yeah, right? bribing. Fix the problem and then take the bribes away. That's fine. Right. Yeah, bribing <laughs> is great. It sounds like he's bri- he's tried to bribe. Um, or at least he's tried to offer gifts. But um, one of the things about the gift piece um, that I read somewhere, I think it was on Fatherly, um, someone suggested, because these kids are young enough where you can say, I got this doodad on my car where it actually won't start until the seatbelt is buckled. 
And so you go in the car and if they're refusing, you're just sitting there. They're not having fun. The music's not on. The snacks aren't going. The toys aren't out. And only once they buckle the car, you buckle them in, then can you, oh, look, the car's working now. And hey, look, now we can have snacks and now we can have toys, but only, you know, only once you get buckled. So that might be another strategy. Uh, finally, I, I have right here in my notes, Zach, get an e-bike. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Just fucking get an e-bike. Ride them around on the e-bike. It's way more fun than being in a car. That will um, improve your life, yeah. I guarantee. Yep. Especially on those short trips. Like, you might not be able to avoid them on some trips, but if you can avoid some of the car trips, right? Because eventually, I mean, they're not going to scream forever. Uh, maybe they do. Dan, do your kids still scream when you put them every, in? Every single time. <laughs> I want to do it, they say, as I try to buckle them in. I did want to recommend, too, there is a website, The Car Seat Lady, and she has all kinds of great uh like tips and tricks. I had a time when Teddy would unbuckle himself from everything. And um, she Mm -hmm. was like Mm -hmm. awful. And it was from her page that I learned to put a button down shirt on him. So he'd have like a shirt, I'd buckle everything and then I'd button the button down (laughs) over the seatbelts. And so he basically couldn't get to it. Uh, (laughs) I was like, this is genius. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's where I learned to just put my child in a straight jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Teddy also once opened to make to make the listener feel better. He once opened the door in a taxi cab in Romania while driving uh, uh, from his car seat. And the driver was like, what is happening? And I was like, I don't know. This is crazy. Uh, So, yes, I feel you very much. Yeah, I really want a report back on this one. Yeah, keep us, let us know. But I, go to the police, find a nice police officer or someone that would dress as a police officer. Yeah, it is true that like, it's like you can be in favor of uh, defund the police, but then who is going to tell our kids to get in their car seats? (laughs) Anyone in the fire department. Park ranger, uh, firefighter. (laughs) Anyone in the uniform. A meter maid. A meter maid. Mm -hmm. Someone someone dressed as some kind of superhero. Yeah, oh yeah. I I mean, Mm. I feel like the... You know, so at some birthday party, slip the person a couple bucks. And be like, right. Hey, can you mention that my kid's not, not he needs to wear that seatbelt? How did you solve uh, this problem? A clown told my kid to buckle a seatbelt. <laughs> or he was coming back. Right. <laughs> well, as usual, I think we've solved this problem. 100%. You're welcome, Shellshock Dad. Yeah. Well, we definitely want to know how the next uh, few car trips go. So please keep us posted. And everyone else, of course, if you have some car seat advice or commiseration or great stories, send us a voice memo or email us at slate.com. That's also where you can send us any questions of your own. Uh, apparently, there's no question. Too big, too small, too weird. So send it on over. That's it for our show. Dan will be back with us on Monday for another question and everyone's favorite recommendations, so be sure to tune in. While you're at it, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're looking for a fun parenting community, don't forget the Slate Facebook Parenting Group. It's a great way to ask questions and get recommendations of your own. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula and Rosemary Belson. For Zach Rosen and Dan Coyce, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. And now, gambling terms. Snake eyes. Rolling ones with a pair of dice. Double down. Doubling the original bet for one more card. Bad beat. When your strong hand gets beat. Illegal gambling can put you at risk. Protect our communities. Play legit and gamble only where it's legal. Learn more now at playlegitco.com. 
A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER.